for the most part, this film has lived on a computer screen for with me for like the past year. And to actually see it on a big screen, to see it with people that haven't seen it a million times like I have or my editor has, but to see to see it with people that are experiencing it for the first time, it's it's invaluable. You know, that's that's the reason why we're making movies. Hello and welcome to the 2023 Atlantic International Film Festival podcast. This episode is about a project that explores the immigrant experience and much, much more. Doubles is a dramatic film set in both Trinidad and Toronto. It's a coming-of-age story centered around a young street food vendor who travels to Canada in search of his father, only to find that things are not as he expected. I was joined by writer and director Ian Harnery. My father was diagnosed with uh, with Alzheimer's, you know, you know, over a decade ago. And if you know, or you know, if most people have been touched by someone with Alzheimer's or with dementia, particularly as you get older. Um, and as you know, or as most people know, there's no cure, there's no hope for if you have Alzheimer's. It's just a matter of, you know, how quickly are you going to go down? And um, so my father was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and. I was living in New York at the time. I was going back and forth between Toronto and New York a lot. And so the changes that he was going through became, you know, they became very apparent to me. It was really clear to me what was happening. Um, And so much so that towards the end of his life, he, he had become someone that I didn't recognize anymore. Not, of course, not physically, but just mentally. Um, And it was, I was meeting him for the first time. Uh, towards the end of his life. And so it's that feeling really is what I'm trying to capture in the film. Even though the relationship, the father-son relationship in the film, uh, I can't say is the relationship that I had with my father, but it's the feeling I think is very much the same that I'm trying to capture. Yeah, the, the film's got so many layers. There's like a the troubled father-son relationship. There's the immigrant experience. There's kind of living in the legacy of colonialism. There's kind of the aspirations for a better life. There's so much that you kind of built into this storyline. Um, uh, I, I, I imagine there's parts of you in it, but also there's uh, there's so many other bigger things going on that you've kind of observed and built into it too. Yeah, absolutely. I wish I could say that I'm, you know, I'm dating it you know, that that's, that's me, but that's not true. I think it's, I'm every single one of those characters at different points of my life, you know, at, at different points, I can say, Oh, that's exact. I'm the mother or, you know, I'm, you know, I'm Anita or I'm the father. It's, it's sort of an amalgamation of a lot of things. And of course, just creative writing as well. <laughs> and and how much inspiration did you kind of find from your kind of um the lives of your parents i guess because you they they moved to canada when you were you very young or before you were born or yeah before i was born um my parents uh came to canada in the um in the 70s and you know they were part of that sort of big original trudeau migration um particularly from the caribbean region into canada at that time um yeah so they were a part of that but, you know, every single one of my stories, you know, all of my other films, particularly this one, is based off of some experience that I've had, whether me personally or stories that have been told to me um, or stories that I've observed or read about. Uh, I'm always trying to pull from, um, you know, from actual things that I know about. 
you know, firsthand or whether that, that have been told to me. So like, yeah, like a lot of the cultural things that are in there are, are to me are authentic and were really important to me as part of the story, the storytelling process. But, you know, it's just, it's a story about a lot of people, a lot of people in the community, I should say. And I think it's going to resonate with, uh, with a lot of immigrants and particularly the, you know, the Caribbean and West Indian diaspora. No, definitely. I, I, I felt like there was a, you know, it was a, an experience that was close to your heart, especially in the writing and, and kind of um, uh, every aspect of how you put the film together. There was a definite um, real experience behind the kind of the creative execution that you did. Thank you. Yeah, it's 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 a hard thing to do to uh, to try to make all decisions based on emotion and trying to evoke an emotion or having we're trying to allow the audience to have an emotional experience and allowing every decision being made, whether it's respect to what we're hearing in the audio, what we're seeing, what the characters, their wardrobe, just color palettes, you know, all of these decisions are, are difficult decisions that are being guided by the heart for the most part. The film um, started out as a short the doubles with slight pepper, which was, you know, won multiple awards. You, you got the best Canadian short film in 2011, and um, uh, Toronto. Uh, you won at the Toronto International Film Festival. Was it the New York Film Festival as well that you won at? Uh, a festival in New York. Uh, in a festival York. in New York. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and and like you've gone through that dream transition, which I think a lot of filmmakers go, "Wow, I'll make a short film first, and then hopefully one day it'll become a feature." You've now done that. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that process of. Um, what it's like to kind of go from, hey, this is a short film. I took it to some festivals, won some awards, created some buzz, and now I've taken it to the to the feature feature level. It's a great question. Um, it's been a lot harder than I thought it would be. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, I guess for me, at least personally, there was a lot of misconceptions because you're right, the, the short film was very successful out in the world in terms of what a short film can do. Um, and I thought that would, you know, open more doors than I thought it would, or than it actually did, I should say. Um, you know, no, at the end of the day, no one's going to give you a blank check and say, go and make a movie. It, it's still an enormous amount of work. Um, what The good thing about the short film and its success is that I was able to point to it and say, there's an audience for this type of work. People want to know more about these characters. I know more about these characters than anyone else. Um, and audiences seem to embrace that. So that, that was one thing that was always in my mind over the years that stuck with me in terms of a motivation just, just to keep going and to get this film actually made. But it, it's like a long, it's a really, really long journey. And of course, like life gets in the way in terms of needing to make a living, um, you know, family responsibilities and uh, other other creative op- opportunities that come up that are worth taking advantage of as well. So there's it wasn't an easy road. It's been a long road, but I'm happy that it's that it's done and audiences are finally going to be able to see it. No, that's amazing. I, am, I imagine there's going to be a lot of envious filmmakers when you t- talk about this <laughs> making the feature film based on a short. I think a lot of filmmakers have shorts they've done that they would aspire to kind of do that process. So it's a it going to be a testament to your talent and hard work, I guess, to get that far. So yeah, or just stuff. It's it's hard work, but it's also just relentless. Just not willing or not 
accepting no or just trying to find solutions is, you know, what directing ultimately is and making films is trying to find solutions to problems, whether it's funding or casting or locations. Um, you know, all problem solving is is a lot of filmmaking. One of the things I read as well was that um, you have Spike Lee as a mentor of yours. He was the exact producer on your short film. Um, again, a lot of filmmakers would be very jealous that you've kind of had been lucky enough to kind of be influenced by or at least kind of work with um, someone um, who's so well established and, and so well regarded. What kind of influence did you find, um, you know, working with someone like Spike would have on on your outlook on filmmaking or on this film in particular, I guess? You know, what's what's incredible about Spike, so like he, he was a professor of mine and he, um, yeah, he really became a mentor to me in, in many, many ways. Ultimately, what I learned from him is is the hard work process. I, I don't think there's anyone that works harder than he does. And, and he definitely works harder than me. I think he wakes up. I remember getting emails from him like at 6.30 in the morning or something like that. Just <laughs> crazy. He works really, really hard. And that's a trait that I've tried to take from him. Um, he's incredibly hardworking, but he, he's also just, he finds solutions to problems. And that's really important for me as a filmmaker to see. He makes strong decisions when he does them, but they're really thoughtful. But he's also trying to, everything that he does, he comes with a new spirit with in terms of experimentation, in terms of trying something new, in terms of trying something different. And I've tried to take that same spirit as much as I can. Um, in just terms of like pushing, pushing yourself forward, pushing the form forward, or just pushing you forward as an artist and trying new things is um, something that I learned from him. But also just like this idea to see your people on the screen, you know, which is what he's, he's made a career over and being unapologetic about it and, um, and unabashed about it. I think that's been really inspiring for me as well. That's amazing. And I think that, um, one of the one of the aspects I, I kind of got from it was that you were I felt like I was being educated on a on a um a, a culture and a, a, a the history of that kind of community that I hadn't heard of or had my mind open to before but then you know done so in a way where I was being told story as well and you know being taken on a journey it wasn't um it was it was a great way that you kind of uh, introduce the world to kind of that um, origin of 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 the the community you're from. Um, one of the things I, I noticed with the immigrant kind of um, experience was that you you did touch on the idea of people mythologizing what it's like for immigrants to go to a country and all these amazing stories about how the grass is greener and then the actual reality of it. How important was it for you to kind of um, you know touch on that kind of uh, that dynamic that goes on? Yeah, that's that's a great questionaries and i'm glad you picked up on that it's you know I, I don't want to say we're told so many lies because i don't think that's necessarily true um i think there are opportunities for people but for the most part it's not that way at all um you know often when i go back to trinidad you know people have i would say a relatively less stressed life uh there are of course other problems um, there that don't really exist in, in North America. But I've always felt misled by a lot of the, um, you know, the myth-making stories that you've, that you've spoken about, about the immigrant experience 
And if you just work really hard, you will succeed. And I don't believe that at all, right? Like, I think there's more factors involved because everyone works really, really hard, but only certain people are allowed to uh, to succeed in, in one way or another. And I think it's that idea of what is success is what I'm interested in, particularly within this immigrant experience. Um, you know, I'm not sure, like, it's an interesting question as if, if my parents were successful when they moved to Canada, uh, probably won't know their names, but, you know, they, you know, they were great parents to me, um, to my sister and I, uh, they helped us, they taught us values and they put a roof over our head and, you know, they did things that I find would be really, really difficult right now, um, for me personally. And they did a lot of things that frankly, I don't have to, as a result of them making strong choices. Um, it's, it's complicated because the life that I've led so far is almost unrepeatable. Uh, like it's really, really hard to get the opportunities that I've, that I've been given, you know, to work with Spike Lee, for example. Not everyone gets that opportunity or that experience. Um, but it involves a lot of sacrifice and it involves, and those are the stories that we don't hear about are the sacrifices that have been made. And what about the people that don't enjoy the success? Um, I'm interested in those stories and the stories of the people that have been left behind uh, back in the home country too. Those are interesting parallels um, and people that I'm always interested in, as opposed to the people that, you know, came to Canada or America and worked really hard and made a million dollars and live in, live in a mansion now. Um, to me, that just, that's just not the reality of what, of what the vast majority of immigrants have to contend with. And you, you kind of paint it really well in that kind of restaurant environment where, you know, the father obviously works really hard, very long hours. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, the son is exposed to kind of his life versus what the story, the stories they've been told, you know, um, back home and everything. I think that, um, you know, it was that, that connection, the father son connection really helped illustrate that I felt. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, because exactly what you said earlier, right. There's a myth about the father. And he's told this myth, and this myth has been repeated back home to the life that he's actually led, or to the life that he's leading, or the life perhaps that he wants to be leading. Is um, you know, they're lies, but one of the characters says those were his dreams, right? Like he wishes that's what was happening to him, but the reality of the situation is just not that. Um, and I thought that was a really interesting thing, just in terms of how we think of ourselves and how we project our wants and desires onto onto others and our hopes and dreams and what that actually means in terms of manifesting it, them to reality but how we want people to perceive us as well because mm. the son is definitely burdened with angst and anger at the you know the at his father and um you know it's a it was an interesting way to kind of explore that but then also i kind of felt like the um the supporting characters as well um also kind of helped build that picture of you know the different varying experiences alongside the the restaurant owner as well who's kind of seemed very indifferent <laughs> so. yeah he's that's that's the great thing about um about making a feature as opposed to a short is that you can have these wonderful supporting characters that can you just have a larger palette and a larger canvas in which you can tell these larger stories and more nuanced tales um, about character because every single one of those people, you know, I don't want to say represent something, but are an integral part of the story or of this larger story that um, that I'm trying to tell. Uh, particularly the restaurant owner, he's he was just I 
that character just I feel like I could just write an entire story about him, <laughs> an entire movie about him, because number one, the actor that played him was just fantastic and went off in so many different ways. Um, but I really enjoyed that character as well. I, I kind of almost forgot at that moment I was watching a movie because he was so like recognizable. I feel like I've met so many people like it. <laughs> you kind of, you know, when you, you yeah. slip into the story and you kind of, you know, I'm not watching a movie. This is like, this is a, this is a real person. <laughs> you, you portrayed it so well. Fantastic, great. I've I've done my job, man. Thank you. <laughs> you suspended reality for me. So. <laughs> great. There's also a great my, my favorite scene is where they go shopping for a Christmas tree and they're working oh, on, a, on a tight budget. And you've got, you know, there's some great visual comedy and, and everything built into that scene. But also um it kind of ties into a lot a larger theme where um, you know, uh money and budgeting um is is really tough for his father. Um and it's almost like a sad realization for him that he's, you know, he does have to kind of uh, cover things like medication for his dad. And, you know, the the reality is seeping in for him as, as he goes. Um, I can personally testify to that experience, having moved to Canada five years ago with three kids. Now I've got four. Uh, <laughs> And, you know, covering the cost of childcare, those making those tough decisions on do we pay for this this week or this that week. I personally was like, you know, found that scene quite moving and, and kind of did, did relate to it heavily. So um, I'm hoping that's the right immigrant kind of response you want. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, if you have four children, I mean, my hat's off to you. I don't know how you do it. You're, you're a magician. You're a magician as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but yeah, no, there's there's a you know, there's a set amount of resources and you have to decide on where that money's going to go, where those res- where you're going to allocate those resources to. And I actually, you know, growing up, we never had a real Christmas tree. Like that just felt something like a luxury. Like I never knew they actually really existed. Um, and I remember the, the finally got a real Christmas tree for the first time a couple of years ago. And it is a luxury. It, you know, they're, they're fairly expensive and you're ultimately throwing them out. Um, and it's, it's an interesting idea of like what we think of, again, he wants to give his son this real experience, but at the same time, show off to the son as well. Um, but then the reality hits that he literally cannot afford it, right? He just can't afford to have that experience, to have that, that flex as the kids would say, um, in terms of what that financially actually means. Mm. And the movie shot really beautifully, and I think that you um, there's a you you use lighting really well to reflect the tone and the mood and the framing. So where did you kind of get your inspiration from for for this film in terms of how you wanted to f- frame and compose uh, your shots and your scenes and everything? That's a great question. Thank you, and I'm I'm glad you noticed that. Um, the cinematographer, his name is uh, Bob Gundu, uh, just an incredible cinematographer. He works really really quickly. And what's great about him is that, you know, he's a brown man himself, and we really wanted to capture those skin tones as best as we could. And I knew Bob from his experience, his personal experience as well, he would light things properly. Um, And so that was a crucial aspect of it, because of me personally, I'm always upset at darker skin tones and how they appear on the screen. Uh, and Bob understood that and, you know, he did work to to make sure that people looked good. And for the most part, we're dealing with darker skin tones on screen in this film. Um, we tried to have a definite separation between Trinidad and Toronto in terms of the look, more sort of 
not necessarily a Caribbean feel, but more of a warmer feel in Trinidad and a more colder, bluer look in, in Toronto. And in terms of like, you know, shot sizes, we always try to keep the camera as close as we could. We always have wides, of course, but I knew the emotion of the film was going to be in the faces. And so I always want to keep the camera as close as possible. We had, you know, obviously a really tight budget and a really tight schedule as well. And so I'd always, you know, I would always favor the close-ups, always, just to get that emotion. And so, frankly, in the edit room, we don't have that many other options because we just didn't have time to get it because I wanted to make sure we got the close-up good. And so the film is, if you look at it, it's, it's fairly close for the most part um, by design because I just wanted to see these faces as much as we could because it is a drama, ultimately. Mm. Well, it's like when he, uh, for example, when he arrives in Toronto, you don't use any big sweeping drone panoramas of the city skyline, which I think is a... Um, something that would be a go-to for for typically you you it is that you sit you are staying very close in most of the time once you're in the city and kind of on his personal experience. Yeah, exactly. It was exactly that. Um, was was just stay with him, go through this experience that he's going through, experience thing. Ex- I want the audience to experience things as he's experiencing them for the first time. Um, so that's whether that's downtown or on the highways or whatever the situation is. That's actually, I, I showed I showed the film to, to to Spike, and that was one of the things he actually mentioned. He was just like, "I'm not sure we're in Toronto. You got to have some more Toronto shots just to just to plant the audience in where we were." And it was a valid point. And so we went back and we shot some more um some more footage to get of actual Toronto, so that people actually know where we physically are, because for the most part we're so on Danny as he goes through this journey. Mm. I kind of I didn't feel like it was necessarily um you know it was it was definitely a perspective I liked because it was you know anchored in how most people would experience a new city so I kind of I I liked it I also do did you know really like how um you had you know the the footage um back home was much brighter you know like you said much warmer and Toronto comes across you know much more um it felt like there was nighttime a lot in, in Toronto which obviously in the winter it is <laughs> so you don't get a lot of daylight and I, I think that worked really well to kind of um add that contrast because there's almost the the reality of um uh of his father's life obviously it kind of I felt like it was a great way of um uh giving an undertone in that sense yeah precisely yeah it's it's exactly that like the you know even like where the father where he lives in his basement it is it is warmish but we added in a lot of blues in there as well to give that colder feel um and you're right like we shot in winter so we didn't have that much daylight and it really was a lot of the film does take place at night uh by design because you know when i think about winter time although i love winter it's a lot of it is spent in darkness uh, you know outside and you've got to be able to work with that. But what that actually means is how really cold it actually is. And we try to capture what that cold actually feels like. And it, I think we were able to capture that in terms of what that, the feeling of cold, um, even though I'm hoping that like transcends to the audience as well of what that means, both in a physical sense of cold, but also in an emotional sense too. Mm. I think, I think, um, you know, I definitely kind of felt as well, like the, um, the, the angst that, that the son feels in those early scenes before he kind of goes to um, uh, to Toronto, the you, it was obviously very light and very warm 
but it kind of felt different when he went back you know that warmth there was a lot more meaning to that warmth i guess when he returned yes you know again thanks for picking up on that because that was a really crucial part of the film as well and about this immigrant story is that this is somebody that decided to go back um and not and go against that immigrant story of success in the new land it's he made a decision that life would be better for him back home and exactly that we needed to show that warmth of what that feeling is like to return home and the familiarity that comes with it um and the the choices that he decided to make as well and and the the kind of final acts of the film without wanting to spoil anything but it does touch on you know forgiveness acceptance um is that what is that the message you were hoping to share with with the world from this from this film yeah that's that's great i i you know i'm not sure there's there's a message per se, as far as I'm concerned, as, as an artist, I'm glad people are taking away things from it, whether they're learning something about the culture, but I'm more interested in the emotional experience um, that the audience is going through or the viewer is going through. And so I'm hoping by the end, it's, it's people are, are complicated. I think it's a complicated feeling at the end in terms of, yes, he has some sort of understanding and acceptance of the father, um, but I also feel there's a little bit of regret in there as well. Um, but there's also a bit of pride and there's joy as well in sort of understanding the story of, you know, of his father and his, of his ancestors as well. So to me, like there's a, I'm hoping for a complexity and a lot of conflicted feelings um, by the end. Mm. No, definitely. I definitely got that feeling. So it was great. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, and I, I, the, I was going to say as well, like the, um, the, you must be really excited to come and showcase this in, in Halifax in September. I, I, I'm assuming that you're going to be coming. I'll be there. I'm, I, I'm really looking forward to it. Like it's just, you know, just to have an experience with an audience, you know, because of the last couple of years, it's, it's a rare trip to be honest, particularly as a filmmaker to sit there with an audience and, see people experiencing the film on a big screen is I don't, it's, it's hard to explain as a filmmaker what that actually means because that's the reason why we're doing things and for the most part this film has lived on a computer screen for with me for like the past year and to actually see it on a big screen to see it with people that haven't seen it a million times like i have or my editor has but to see to see it with people that are experiencing it for the first time, it's it's invaluable. You know that's that's the reason why we're making movies. You know I, the movie isn't done until the audience has seen it, and I'm really looking forward to that experience. Yeah, and are you going to hang around at the festival? I know you're doing a Q and A, but are you going to kind of uh, make yourself present at kind of a lot of the other things too? <laughs> I will be. Yeah, you know that's that's one of the great things about festivals is that you get to you know, you get to meet the audience and the audience for the most part are everyday people. Um, and I'm excited for that, but also just to meet some other filmmakers too, because some of the best friends that I've met along this filmmaking journey is at festivals, whether you're seeing new work of up and coming um, filmmakers and just admiring it, seeing what's current in the industry. It's, it's a really great thing. And that's a great thing that the festival does in terms of its curation and in terms of inviting guests. So I'm looking forward to like, seeing new work but also meeting filmmakers and just meeting audience members as well it's going to be a really like for me personally it's going to be a really emotional experience and i'm looking forward to it just to see how 
an audience reacts to it. I'm excited. I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it. Thank you for listening to the 2023 Atlantic International Film Festival podcast. Don't forget that this guest and many more will be showcasing the best of international cinema across Halifax from September 14th to the 21st. You can find out more about the events and book tickets by visiting atlanticfilmfestival.ca. I've been Reese Waters. Now go watch a movie. <laughs>